this podcast, head of middle school, John Turner, school counselor, Kasuth Bradford, and other members of the middle school team speak with parents about the sixth grade experience at foot. out uh, the circle by, by reintroducing myself as John Turner, but I'll say specifically that I have three children who have come through foot school, and so I am a veteran of three sixth grade years. Um, Kasuth, uh, with a daughter who's now in seventh grade, yep. is also a veteran uh, as a parent as well of the sixth grade year, so mm-hmm. we, we uh, can certainly mm-hmm. bring that experience to, um, to the conversation as well. Uh, I want to just begin by valuing the first couple of weeks of school, um, two very different weeks of school for your students for our middle school, but two awesome weeks um, to observe. Um, our sixth grade, as all of our middle school uh, grades do, begin the year with Project Week, and they get off campus. Um, they are exploring uh, you know, air, different places in Connecticut, whether they were working with people in the mountain workshop team at Winding Trails up in the Farmington River Valley, or headed off to the seacoast uh, near Groton for Project Oceanology. Um, ways to come together as a class to do some team building activities, uh, but also get started on their curriculum in some ways as they did at Project Oceanology. And I hope they had a really nice time. Uh, I hope they they felt that it was uh, a great way to burst into the school year, um, to see uh, their friends, to meet a couple of new people in their grade uh, as they've begun the school year, but also uh, just to uh, sort of kickstart things in a way that uh, that really exemplifies getting out there, hands-on learning, uh, learning through discovery and everything else that that entails. And then this week, while not as full of such fanfare, is an important week as well. Um, the, uh, the last day of the project week was that Friday, um, almost a week ago, when the students, uh, after those three days of being off campus, they were on campus. And it was an important day for them to meet as their homerooms with their advisor group to talk about uh, different um, ways that their year will unfold. They talked about within their advisor groups uh, sort of what is the culture and custom that they want to create within their group, um, how they'll each have different jobs to sustain their uh, homeroom community each week. Uh, they moved into their lockers. Many students uh, you know, love to color code their notebooks and get all set with their schedule. They got to go to some of their classes for just 10 minutes each, just a, an appetizer portion of each class just so they could meet a teacher uh, to know a little bit about what uh, they'll be doing in the weeks and in the days and weeks that follow. And then starting on Monday, it all became real. Uh, The students uh, began working through their schedule, getting used to what is, um, you know, the middle school experience, uh, going to classes, um, you know, carting around from different uh, room to room and uh, really getting a sense of being a middle school student. Many of the things that they experience, as you might know, are very familiar to them. And we love the way that there are things that are familiar to our sixth graders. Uh, they have many of the same teachers in their specials classes, for example. When they go to PE, they see Brad, they see Colleen, they see Joe, who are familiar to them. They have Julian Schlesberg for drama class. There are art classes in studios that they've worked in before with teachers that they're familiar with. Uh, and they work with Mr. Uh, Schoenherr in technology as they did last year. So many things are very familiar to them and that's really comforting. And yet at the same time, we are also trying to build senses of comfort as they get started with working with their advisors first through Project Week and then working into some of their classes as things go along. 
I hope this second week of school is turning out to be very positive for them as well. It is certainly uh, some that you know, provides a little bit of uncertainty. You know, how am I going to move around to class? How am I going to know where to go? And things like that. But I hope and I think we'll find that over the next few days and certainly into next week that they'll begin to develop a rhythm of how things go. And, um, and we'll see that um, you know, sort of developing and taking shape. So that's pretty exciting to see. So I want to begin by um, just uh, noting a couple of uh, events, a couple of um, things that will uh, take shape this, this fall um, in the lives of our sixth grade. One of them is their trip to Bear Mountain, um, which is a sixth grade tradition, one might say. It's been you know, uh, part of the sixth grade experience for um, as long as almost anyone can remember. Uh, during, uh, during October, um, and I think, I think it's something around October 15th, um, somebody, Emily, you might be a friend if you can shout out the date because I should have looked that up. Oh, sorry, I thought you said that. It's usually a Friday. Yeah, Carol, Carol, Carol's got, got the master calendar. So there you go. I should have looked that up. Um, 18th. Okay, I knew it was right. It was in the teens. Um, on that Friday, October 18th, we are uh, working with the idea that it's going to be a day of you know, wonderful fall foliage and probably 62 degree temperature, uh, sunshine, things like that. That's what we put in for. Um, and the, um, that day, um, the sixth grade will meet at school early. Um, and they will head off to northwest Connecticut, to the farthest northwest corner of Connecticut, to, Bear, to hike Bear Mountain. And they um, will, as a class with their advisors, will uh, take on a 6.2 mile hike um, up and around, joining part of the Appalachian Trail and summit Bear Mountain, which is Connecticut's tallest peak. It is, um, it is not Connecticut's tallest point, which is apparently halfway up a mountain that actually peaks in Massachusetts, but it is Connecticut's, <laughs> called Mount, Mount Frizzle. Um, and, uh, and, um, but it is Connecticut's tallest peak, and it is a really neat achievement for our, uh, for our sixth grade to have that experience together. Um, there's something really special about hiking with them. It's something that I enjoy doing when my schedule allows me to join that trip. Uh, it, there are parts of the hike that are kind of flat or slightly uphill. There are parts that go through a, a pine meadow almost um, with uh, just a forest floor uh, filled with pine needles. And during that portion, uh, the teachers will actually ask the students to space themselves out about 30 seconds apart and just have a quiet walk for about five minutes and just kind of really soak in what they're seeing. Uh, Kim Birds-Lieberman will sometimes stop uh, the group she's traveling with and really point out uh, things that uh, one might not see unless one is a, is a a naturalist as she is. Um, so there's lots to like about it and then um, they'll, they'll uh, kind of take a curve around the north side of the, the hill and there's a, a rock scramble to the top. It's a challenge for many of our students, uh, for all of our students, and yet there's something uh, that's a real burst of energy when they summit that and they are, they're all at the top and get a group photo at the top of Bear Mountain. Uh, it's a really great trip and if it sounds fun, join us. Uh, we open that trip up to parents and as many parents as want to come, we would love to have you come. And so with each of our homerooms, we often have uh, four to five to seven parents hiking with us. So if that's, if that's something that is interesting to you, we encourage you, um, and if that's available in your schedule, we encourage you to, to join us for the Bear Mountain hike. Um, that'll be, um, as we said, October 18th, so third Friday in October. Hi, Laura, how are you? Good, well... <laughs> there you go. Uh, as I was mid-sentence and I didn't, 
I didn't uh, acknowledge John Hay, who uh, came into the room, but this is Laura Stanley and John Hay, who joined us, two of our six, uh, sixth grade advisors. They may be uh, the um, advisor to some of your students. They may be uh, their homeroom partner. If, you're, uh, if your child has Trevor Rosenthal as an advisor, Laura Stanley is Trevor's partner. John Hay has partnered with Kim Birch Lieberman, so if that is your child's advisor, then uh, they'll be seeing John quite a bit as well. So nice to have them here. Uh, Laura has been at our school for a few years and has uh, hiked Bear Mountain uh, a few times. Yes. Uh, John, you're in your fourth year here that's, at that's Foot right. School. Yes. And uh, Bear Mountain twice. Done, yeah, hiked Bear Mountain twice and uh, third time coming up, we hope. Yes, and so indeed. there you go. So we were just talking about Bear Mountain, inviting everybody to join please, us. And please come. Yes, please come. So we'd love to have you. It'll be a beautiful day. It we, will be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. Um, Want to also um, a couple point out or share with you that a couple of weeks after the Bear Mountain experience, a few weeks later, first week in November, um, we will have a Thursday and a Friday um, in which we will um, have half days of school um, during which um, your uh, sixth graders will be taking the ERB assessments, uh, the Educational Records Bureau assessments. And the ERB assessments uh, are something that they experienced for the first time last year in fifth grade. And then uh, they'll have, again, in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Just a few words about the ERBs. I know Beth Mello does a nice parent program about them for fifth grade parents. But just as a refresher for anybody who did not hear that before, uh, the ERB uh, assessment is an opportunity for us as a school just to benchmark our program and our students against students who take this assessment nationally. It is really helpful for us as a school to just to gain an understanding about how things are trending for us as a school broadly. And we can also use this to, uh, to just see how students are, uh, are uh, able to kind of work through a standardized test. Um, it may you know, serve in some regards as a preview of standardized testing that students may do later in their middle school experience or in their high school experience as they look on to other schools. And so um, I think it's important to say a few words about the ERBs. Um, I would ask at, at home for you to kind of help put them in the right frame of mind uh, or, and to keep them in the right perspective. Um, they are helpful for us to, um, it's helpful for the students to come in and take the ERBs with a, a sense of seriousness, that they want to do their best to do well. Um, occasionally we hear a student say, well, I'm just going to answer A for everything or things like that. No, we want to do more than that. We want to represent our best selves in, in any um, moment that we can. Uh, and yet, at the same time, I, I want us to also uh, make sure that the students do not feel that the ERBs are uh, evaluative in the sense of who they are as human beings or that they are going to uh, determine a course placement for their seventh grade year. Uh, they are simply, as I said, just a chance for us just to get a, 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 a sample of how students do in assessments like these. But when it comes to the, uh, you know, who your children are, the, the ERBs measure two half days in a school year. They do not measure a 365-day experience and what a student can do, um, what they know, how they uh, interact within a community, how they interact with the adults and their peers, and, and really represent who they are as a student. 
and also when we think about who a student is and what their best placement is in per terms of a course, whether it's in a math course, a language course, or anything, we're going to use our experience with those students and how they um, complete their homework, how they um, you know, conduct themselves in class, how they prepare themselves for assessments within their own courses when we think about uh, the, uh, the best ways that we can shape a student's experience in the middle school. So as those ERBs arrive, cheerlead them a little bit, yes, let's take them seriously, but also, you know, tamp them down a little bit too. Um, if you could find, help us find that right space, that would be awesome. On those same days um, that we are uh, presenting uh, the ERB assessments to those students, uh, we, are, um, as I suggested, those are half days of school, so the school day ends at 12.30 for the students. And then in the afternoon on both of those days and also one evening the following week, we have middle school parent-teacher conferences. And uh, the um, conferences that you have um, had over the last few years with your student's teacher, where it's maybe a half an hour uh, session with their fourth grade teacher, with their fifth grade teacher, takes on a different shape in the middle school. And for those who, for whom this is your first middle school student, I uh, just want to say a, a word or two about that. Um, we will send um, some information out a couple of weeks in advance of the conferences and encourage you to sign up for time slots to meet with teachers. Uh, ten minute time slots to meet with the, your child's math teacher, with their humanities teacher, with their advisor and the like. And you can you know, work, you know, can look at your work calendar and you know, come in the evening for that session the following week if that's best or come those afternoons on that Thursday and Friday if that works for you. And um, this will all be held in the gym. Um, I have never uh, done speed dating, um, but uh, I have heard this likened to speed dating. Um, there will be tables set up in the gym, one for each teacher. We will each be at our table, and, um, and every 10 minutes a bell will ring, and uh, parents will move to their, their, separate, their next table um, for that conversation with that teacher. It's in alphabetical so, order. It is in alphabetical order. Laura, who believes in, in order. Well, this um, is actually wants to, in the last three years. We used to pick our own tables as teachers as we would go in. And you would, if you got there, you got a little tag okay. and you sat down. And so now it's in alphabetical order, okay. which I think is really exciting. There you go. For <laughs> <laughs> me personally, just but so. also as a parent, to like have some way of finding a human being in the mass, it is nice. I just regret that as a turner, my table's always in the back. So, um, so for my own classes, so, and yours too. Mine so too. Yours too. Um, but I just want to um, just say that those parent conferences um, you know, will occur in the first week in November and that's kind of what they look like so you're not too jarred when you walk in and so forth. Um, in November also our sixth grade uh, takes on the task of leading the school's food drive um, to fill the pantries at St. Anne's uh, Soup Kitchen and um, we are incredible partners for, uh, with the soup kitchen. The sixth grade has an experience uh, with the soup kitchen all year, and maybe in a minute, Laura, you can say a little bit more about that. Uh, but um, during, during the um, month of November, the sixth grade will put a lot of energy and momentum behind the food drive from kindergarten to ninth grade, uh, but they'll be the ones collecting, counting, and uh, the real payoff for a lot of the students is loading the, the van and helping go you know, to stock the pantries, you know, uh, themselves, you know, over at Sandy and Soup Kitchen on Dixwell Avenue. Um, and so um, that's something just to, to know is, is coming. Laura, maybe if you could share a little bit about just the St. Anne's sure. uh, so the community Sixth service. For, I would say the last eight to ten years um, has had a partnership with the St. Anne's Soup Kitchen and every 
this year it's going to be Tuesdays. Every Tuesday we take one student from each homeroom group, so one student from X, one from Y, one from Z, three kids this year uh, are taken over either, uh, typically it's Trevor Rosenthal or Kim Birch-Lieberman. Drive the kids over, the kids eat their lunch in the car, I'm sorry to say, so the non-microwavable lunch is really important. Um, and they go to the soup kitchen and they are put to work. Sometimes they're serving food, sometimes they're stocking the pantry, Whatever Lucy, the, the woman who runs the soup kitchen, needs that particular week, that's the task the kids are assigned. Lucy is expecting us. She knows us. She's very excited to have the kids help out. Um, and I would say when the kids come back, many of them have never really had this type of an experience before. Um, I have never heard anyone not come back with a very positive comment feeling like they have done something meaningful. They really, every child to a T feels like it is a meaningful experience. It's only about a half hour because we have to get the kids back for you know class in the end and if they didn't finish their lunch on the way over, they finish it on the way back. Um, but it is, it for some of these kids, and, and I will speak for my own personal child who is long gone from foot school, this activity started her on a trajectory of community service and now in her postgraduate studies. She volunteers uh, at Rosie's Place, which is, uh, uh, if you don't know, in Boston, it is one of the major um, shelters for battered women. And she wants to devote part of her professional to career to, to women's services. So I can tell you, half an hour, you don't know what you might be doing for your kids. So um, it's, it is a valuable experience for these kids. That's great. Yep. Very, very cool. Um, the last thing I want to highlight just in the sixth grade year to come is the Festival of the World. And uh, many of you, perhaps over the last couple of days, your kids have come home and, and uh, used a sentence, I got blank, uh, <laughs> fill in the name of country here. Um, first couple of days, they spin the globe and they um, determine which country um, that each of them will study for the year. Has anybody heard of a country that has come forward? Okay, so yes, I know they've been doing that, so I uh, make sure, uh, make sure they're, they're saying a few words at home. And, um, and so um, that country study um, it really um, uh, provides sort of the, the backbone of the humanities experience for the uh, students in their sixth grade year. And you'll see that over the course of the year, they might have an assignment to say, uh, you know, uh, by Friday you should learn more about the holidays in your country or you should learn more about the physical uh, geography of your country or whatever it might be and so you know the um, whatever their country is they'll, they'll take that on with the resources most often provided by our fantastic library staff but sometimes they'll be using um, sources online as well and um, that will all uh, take shape sort of in bits and pieces over the course of the year, but I just want to sort of share that um, that all comes to a fantastic uh, culmination in the spring. Uh, usually the first few days of May, uh, the students will present the Festival of the World. And that will be in many regards like an international fair where the students will have booths where each of them will create a booth representing their own country. And we as parents, as adults, as supporters of their great work, will have a chance to walk around to their booth that let them present what they have learned to share um, all that they have uh, created to represent the culture and the people of their country. It is a really uh, fantastic 
representation of interdisciplinary learning, and there will be parts that incorporate what they've learned in humanities, they will do some things that connect to science class, we have some math components in there, and uh, we ensure that students bring all different types of learning together with that experience. And then, of course, just the idea of presenting your work, that public speaking aspect um, is important, and they'll incorporate some dance and music um, to a, a presentation that they will make as a grade as well. It's something, you know, quite a bit to see, but I also, and I think this is where um, a few of us in the room can nod, parents as well, but Laura and Kasuth and I can say, it'll also take some shape in your home as, as a family. <laughs> um, you will see over the, uh, the few weeks that, um, sorry? Oh, we did a podcast about it last year as well, okay? Um, we, actually inter we actually had some sixth graders afterwards talk about their experience in learning and uh, presenting the Festival of the World. So that's a, a great preview uh, for the experience as well. Um, so the, but I just want to share with you, um, just sort of peeking on the horizon, um, that the few weeks before the Festival of the World takes shape is one where you will find at home that there's a lot of conversation about the Festival of the World. Uh, each of the students are encouraged to make a model of some place, whether it is a, a part of the natural landscape or a building or something that is important in the country. Um, the students will be creating a trifold display. Uh, you will be asked to, for the feast that occurs after the festival, um, to uh, help make a, um, a dish from that country. So there's a lot of component parts to it. Uh, we have, I think, done a really nice job over the last few years of helping to sort of dial back so that this um, project, these projects do not require seven trips to Home Depot and, you know, uh, and a whole raft of power tools and things like that, um, but rather um, the teachers, uh, Trevor and Laura Anderson, who teach the sixth grade, have hosted in the afternoon some building days where they'll encourage kids to bring in recycled materials, and rather than um, comment to the students on how great their project is and how you know, t nicely mitered the corners are on, on their projects, um, we, we just want to say how creative it is, what a great job you did of building this yourself. And we want to really encourage students to really put their own uh, heart and soul into it. And we, we do, we are trying to sort of kind of dial back the parents' involvement and, the, um, and any uh, challenges that may create for you um, as well. Um, so we are trying to work on that. And also we'll try um, to make sure that we get a lot of information home in, you know, a couple of months before to say, you know, these are the many, you know, things to think about. I'd encourage you to, you know, uh, you know perhaps make a dish or two at home like in February and just kind of practice that rather than the night before, you know, go to the internet and say, what do they eat in Morocco? You know, um, you know a little pre-planning is a good thing. Sometimes so. you got to find that magic ingredient. Yep. <laughs> so, yes. Um, my, own, my oldest son, when he was in this project, had the country of Mali and he was determined to make this uh, thing called the Sand Mosque um, in Mali and we were truly like at the stove like making this big concoction of sand and borax and something else that created like a, a sand play-doh and I look and go oh gosh you know, that, was, that was fun but way too much uh, and, and so forth we, you know that can be done differently um, so um, but just to say that's on the horizon nothing to do about it yet but when it comes around um, just pay a little attention to it that would be um, great um, one shift a little bit and just talk about your role as parents um, and um, to talk about some of the ways that you can really support your sixth grade student um, to um, help them uh, have a fantastic experience in the middle school. Um, 
It is very possible. I, perhaps it has happened once or more or not at all yet for you. But it can be the case that uh, the students can have days here within our middle school community that are a little overwhelming to them. And you might find that um, they can, as young people, hold it together during the day, and then they might just get in the car and, you know, and just say a lot, or there may just be a lot of uh, uh, emotion that comes out in one form or another. And uh, that is, in many ways, really, really normal. Uh, for kids, uh, there you know is um, there's a lot, especially as they're developing sort of the sense of the rhythm of the year, um, a sense you know a lot to sort of get you know hold of, and sometimes things can be smooth as silk for a couple of weeks, and then something will happen, maybe a social interaction or maybe a quiz that you know somebody prepared for and didn't go quite as well as they thought, that might seem like the greatest tragedy of the world, and maybe for Laura in her math class she might respond and say, but it's a it's a 10-point quiz. You know, it was no big thing, and you know, seven out of 10 is not the end of the world. But for a student who thinks, you know, that's a 70, and I've never gotten a 70 before, you know, then how do we manage that? And so, you know, one of the things that I might say is just, you know, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, for your own middle school student, um, they are now in the middle school years. These are times there where they are kind of assessing, you know, kind of how they fit into things, how, the, how this experience fits them. Um, they are, um, for better or worse, sort of evaluating themselves in a lot of social constructs as well. And, um, and it can be a little bit of a challenge to them. And so it, just to, um, to recognize that that can happen now and then, uh, I would encourage you in some ways to think about the ways that you can be a soft place to land. Um, if they're having, you know, if somebody's having a challenging uh, moment, uh, to just be that soft place to land and say, you know, in some regards, to be a set of ears, um, to say, just tell me what you want me to know, um, to maybe validate feelings. I can see that you're upset. It's reasonable that that would frustrate you, um, rather than say you shouldn't feel that way, but to say, you know, uh, you know, how you feel is okay. When things like ha happen to me, I get really frustrated too. Tell me what's going on. Um, you can be that, as I said, soft place to land. Sometimes that's about giving a little bit of space and somebody may need to just have some quiet time. And maybe uh, as you're making dinner, they'll wander back into the room and talk. Or maybe it's an after dinner conversation or something like that. Uh, but just you know, being kind of available you know, for them you know, on occasion when, you know, when things become a little bit challenging uh, to them. Uh, there are um, certainly, it is true for younger students, it is true for older people, it is true for adults, but it's also true for kids in the middle school years. There are stressors that occur in our lives um, that, um, that, you know, things that challenge us. And the, um, I think it's important, you know, for us to recognize that kids feel stress as well, um, that we may feel, well, you know, your job is easy. You just need to do 11 math problems and write a paragraph. You know, that's not that hard. I have you know this, this, and this as an adult to take care of. You know, and so forth. But for them, that is their their you know their world, um, and that is you know that is um, you know a mountain or two to climb. You know, uh, on certain days, and it's important to recognize that um, that kids can feel the weight of that. 
we try you know, uh, quite a bit to think about what challenges kids. Um, we think that you know, challenges are important. Um, if the world had you know, nothing that, that um, stretched us, nothing that helped us grow, then, then we wouldn't grow. Uh, we wouldn't learn. We wouldn't uh, you know, ascend in the way we should. And we want to um, certainly provide challenges for kids, but it is not our intention to provide overwhelming stress for young people. And so, um, you know, we are, you know, one of the um, first things that I will talk about is that in the fall of the sixth grade year, Kim Birch Lieberman in their science class uh, will present a whole unit on stress uh, to the sixth grade and talk about the uh, importance of recognizing uh, different types of stress. What is good stress? What is that stress which motivates you to do something uh, and to get things done? Um, what is that, that stress that um, kind of causes us to shut down a little bit? Um, how to work through different types of stress. Uh, working through who feels stress. Um, you know, does a, does a you know, five-year-old feel stress? Yeah, in certain ways. Does a teenager, yeah. Does an adult, does a mom and dad feel stress? Let, let's, let's understand the different types of stresses we all have. And, um, and be able to talk about that. So that's one thing, just to be able to talk about it um, is a valuable thing. Uh, but then, at this, as I said, you know, it's uh, really important for us to kind of keep challenge in perspective. And um, you know, the fact that a student feels the need to get their homework done, yeah, that's an appropriate stress. Uh, but um, when they feel that they can't do it, that when um, they don't understand how to do something and they are, you know, come to the point of tears about an assignment, then you know, that's something that you know, might uh, bear out a little bit more of a conversation as well. Kasuth, I don't know if you want to add any more. I think you also, go ahead. I was just going to say, in sleep, I think they say it's about a nine hours, nine and a quarter hours is, is what kids still need at this yeah. age. That's even high school students. So right. I think it might even be a little bit more for middle school yeah, students. So that's, that's getting I've to bed had, by 10 if they wake um, up at 7. Yeah, so. and I've had many uh, arguments with my seventh grader about that, that number. Um, but, but, uh, but that's what the research says right. in terms of their need. Um, and and you'll, you can see a kid, uh, if they don't get that, can look anxious, you know, melancholy, you name it. Um, uh, you can see symptoms that you might think are something else, and it could be just sleep deprivation. Um, so, so that's a huge one, and I think uh, the, the, the diet, or not diet, but their nutritional yeah, um, uh, intake is another piece of that uh, equation. So, um, yeah. John, yes, please. Could I circle back, actually, it's a little bit combining all of these things as being the soft place to land. Again, I, I have two kids, they both went through foot, they've both been through high school, and, and it was a little bit ugly, but being the soft place not to foot. land. Not foot. Not okay. foot, well, just <laughs> adolescence in general. That's right. Um, your kid is tired, they're hungry, it's 10 o'clock at night, they still haven't done their math, there's going to be emotion there. Um, and let, let them let it out. For some kids, all they need to do is have that outburst. And sadly, so they have this emotional outburst, they dump it on you. You're now sitting there with all of their emotions in your lap, and my daughter would just go off and take care of that. It now takes her 15 minutes because she's unburdened herself. Right. They take care of whatever they need to care, take care of and walk on. Before you have that very visceral parent reaction of, oh my God, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. Maybe wait an hour and then check in again and see if it was just, they needed to get through that particular moment and now they're okay. They've righted their own boat, but the way they righted it was they dumped all their emotion on me, that's okay. 
Or maybe when you go back in an hour and you have the conversation, you find out, wow, you know what, it does seem a little bit overwhelming. Um, maybe I need to email this teacher and advisor, or maybe we need to skip sports practice tomorrow just to give a little bit of breathing room. There's some very small things. But don't immediately, my advice as a parent is don't immediately assume that just because there was an emotional outburst that there is something quote unquote to do. It could just be that the emotional outburst was what your child needed to get over the hump and carry on. And Laura, I'd even add uh, to that exactly, rather than you email the, the advisor, yeah. ask your child to say follow up with your advisor and have a talk about this subject or needing some more support. Because I think in this, at this, this shift, in, in this transition, we really want the kids to take some, some control and have some autonomy over their experience in, in middle school. And so the less you can pull back in that sense, and I know our instinct is always to get involved and protect and assist, uh, the better. Uh, because you know, just giving them that, that sense of, once again, autonomy and, and confidence that they can navigate something that pops up an obstacle. Um, and, and I would really just encourage a lot of curiosity and flexibility. Mm -hmm. So asking questions rather than always wanting to give the answer, or even though we know it, <laughs> asking those questions about what could you do differently? Could you organize yourself a little better? Could you ask more questions? And uh, that flexibility in terms of you're gonna hear some things, you're gonna see them wanting to do some strategies that don't make any sense, and you gotta step back and let them go for that strategy. Because they have to learn that that's not gonna work, and, we, and if you tell them it's not gonna work, they're gonna do it anyways, and then you're gonna have a battle, and you're gonna get frustrated, and it's, you know, it's really probably not gonna go where you want it to go. So I, I, I would really try to keep those two words and those two kind of concepts in your, in your mind as your child kind of transitions into uh, sixth grade. I don't know, I, th I think you want to add something? Oh no, I was just uh, thinking about, uh, you know, in terms of getting the good night's sleep and uh, the, the homework piece. I think there are times throughout the year where we do hear from parents, you know, some of them was up till one in the morning doing their math homework because they were stuck on a few problems. And we know that that's just not healthy for anyone. So again, going back to your point of actually, to, you know, there comes a point where we just have to say, okay, let's deal with this at another time. Right. And great. I think, it, you know, it's great if a student can just advocate for themselves and say, you know, I was really stuck. I, they shouldn't be spending hours doing homework at all, but reaching out to the teacher and seeing if that there, there is a time where they can pick it up the next day and get some help, then I think teachers would be very understanding about that because again, just making sure that they are well rested for the, the next day is very, very important. And I know students have busy schedules and so on, and it can be tricky. It, it's hard yeah. for that because they feel that they, want, they don't want to let a teacher down they, right. the, and, and so forth. And yet, you know, we want to impart that message to them that, it, that, that sleep that is, you know, that just sense of I've done what I can do is, is important for them. Right. No, no. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, right. But as a small caution, I would also share that you know it's this may be a time to evaluate how many outside activities you know are appropriate, both for just the energy level of kids and and the like. And I, I will share that I was talking with one parent last year who shared that her child was up often till eleven, but but also shared their child wasn't getting to their homework until around nine o'clock at night because they were playing on two soccer teams and a baseball team in the fall. And I. You know, my first point of caution was to say that may be too much. You know, two two practices across three teams every single night, you know, is uh, just maybe not what you can bear, what a person can bear, especially an 11, 12 year old. Um, so you know, do you know think about those choices as well if that is important to you. 
also. Um, the last uh, uh, thing that I want to share um, before kind of really broadening this out to any topics that you might want to ask about is just to talk about the context of sixth grade in our whole middle school experience because certainly as, um, as you and your family have uh, made this transition into the sixth grade year with your, uh, with your sixth grader, um, you have you know, the seventh and eighth and ninth grade years um, here at Foot School ahead of you to, um, to um, envision. And there is something I think, you know, one of the wonderful ways I love to describe the foot school experience, for, especially for those of you who had kids here in the youngest years, in kindergarten and first grade, you saw that this school was really developmentally appropriate for kids uh, at that time and what they needed at that time. The school was there, the teachers were there, the program, the activities, the curriculum was there to meet their needs, um, who they were growing, who they were, you know, how they were understanding their place as a human being, um, the community around them and so forth. And that wide as students grow up through the second and third and fourth and fifth grade year and you saw even just you know these early or these late elementary school years in fourth and fifth grade how their minds are growing and that is something that we really get to take on in great ways during their middle school years the ways that students grow uh, physically and emotionally cognitively during these years um, as I say you know, in, in other forums, is only matched by the first three years of their life. Um, this is a time when they will really just blossom into who they are and who they are becoming. And so it is something that we have a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous privilege to be part of. And so we take you know, wonderful advantage of the development that they are on, the developmental journey they are on here during the middle school years. And so, you know, this year where they, for example, are studying a country this year, that is very developmentally appropriate to where they are, to, you know, the discoveries they want to have. But in some ways, they are learning a lot of factual information. And that's really where, you know, where their minds are right now. They're just right attuned to learning facts and putting some ideas together. In their math classes, you know, working in math six, they are, you know, they, the developmental um, stage that they are at is to, you know, start to just the cusp of thinking about the world in symbolic ways and how numbers can be represented in different forms and fashions. And, and that carries over into their other subjects as well. And it's fantastic to see how that widens when they go into seventh grade, um, when um, they begin to get a sense of independence for themselves, how they will take on their own academic work. Um, that they, you know, whereas you might now be saying, did you get your homework done? What do you have? Could do, do you have enough time this weekend to do that? In seventh grade, they must, they'll say, I've got a plan. I know how to do this. I've already talked to the teacher about this. And you'll say, really? That's awesome, okay? And, uh, and that's really something that is a goal for us in, in the seventh grade year to make sure this, that our young people are really on that, that growth of independence um, as they carry forward. Um, and at the same time, you know, the things that they're learning in the classes fit you know, right along with that. Their seventh grade science class uh, next year will be a year of hands-on discovery and building and, and a bit of a STEM-oriented teaching. And, and so there's something that just befits um, the new ideas that they want to explore. The eighth grade year um, is, uh, is something that I have a, a point of pride in. I'm an eighth grade history teacher this year. Um, and the ways that we are able to talk about the history of our country, but also 
um, think about the contemporary issues that our country is facing, and to also uh, weave through that a conversation about social justice. And um, last year, uh, we read, as an eighth grade, we read a book called Just Mercy, um, which is a fantastic uh, book that's actually being made into a movie that's coming out in December, um, that is all about uh, a lawyer who takes on a um, nearly unwinnable case of a man who has been sentenced to, uh, or has been placed on death row for a crime that he clearly didn't commit. And, uh, and it brought us as a um, eighth grade class into conversations about criminal justice reform in Connecticut. And we, um, we were so inspired by it. The students wanted to write letters to local representatives, delegate state senators. We invited Senator Gary Winfield, our local uh, state senator here, to come and talk with us as a class. Like that's the type of experience that we are um, able to have with our students. Uh, and it starts with what they're doing in sixth grade, but the chance to pair and to sort of stack as a foundation the sixth grade year, you know, and build on that with seventh and eighth grade, and then you know the ways that they grow in our ninth grade year, and you know those ninth graders will travel to China and represent our school, um, you know, as in um, in all of those ways um, is just fantastic. So lots of really great things going on, um, and you know just want to encourage you to anticipate and help us look forward to the journey um, together. Foot Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K-9 located in New Haven, Connecticut. Visit us online at footschool.org.